But today it is VE Day, the boys The newly crowned queen waves from the belt. Eagle has landed. Apollo 11 has landed. tearing down the Berlin Wall. Since 1929, the Monks Investment Trust's mission has been to help investors grow their wealth. We aim to do this today by taking a three-dimensional approach to growth. Cyclical growth, rapid growth, and steady growth. The World Wide Web. Wall Street is in turmoil as stocks crash. The Monks Investment Trust, managed by Bailey Gifford. Capital at risk. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Advice Show. From advising clients to practice management, this podcast will give you UK and global insights into the financial planning profession. I'm Nicola, Chief Reporter at New Model Advisor, and I'm here with Senior Reporter Victoria Bell and Bella Caridad Ferreira, CEO of Fundscape, which provides data on platform flows. Hi, Bella. Great to have you with us from just across the road. Hello, Basil. How are you? Hello, Nicola. Hello, Victoria. I'm very well, and I'm really pleased to be here. Not far. <laughs> exactly. Very great to have you on, on this Friday afternoon. Um, so today we're going to talk a bit about the really difficult time that platforms have had in 2023 and how firms have sort of been forced to adapt and change and the impact that this has had. Um, so to start, Bella, in the past couple of years, yeah, we've seen some of the worst flows data on record for platforms. Um, what have you kind of noticed in terms of the biggest trends in the way that that has impacted platforms? How have they changed? Um, oh, that's quite a broad question, isn't it, really? I mean, there's, I think the biggest thing really is the, the, the factors driving this. We've had, uh, you know, a cost of living crisis, inflation's gone up, interest rates have gone up, and that's obviously affected people directly in their pockets. Um, and that has had an impact on how they, how they uh, use their money. Um, so two things, the uncertainty about the environment is going to make people think twice about investing. But secondly, they're also needing to uh, withdraw money to pay living costs, support their families, pay down mortgages, a whole load of things like that. So that's had a combined impact on on the industry. And we've seen flows drop significantly as a result. Um, what's the impact on advice firms? So uh, the impact on like, it's difficult for advice firms, right, because uh, a rising tide floats lots of boats. Um, and when markets are difficult, when the, there's an uncertain environment, it means advice firms have to work much harder to support their customers. They have to convince them to stay invested. You know, that it's, it's good to continue. So they, they're working two, three times harder than, than they would normally. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's not easy for them. And, and they've got no interest really in having their customers in cash. Uh, you know, obviously it makes sense for them to be, to have their customers invested. Yeah. Um, in your last report, you said pensions save the day. Um, why is that as opposed to ISAs and GIAs? Well, the thing with pensions is when you've put money into your pension, it's bloody hard to get it out unless you've retired. So, <laughs> so that's part, part of the reason. Um, so obviously if people are putting money in, but also when people tend to have a more long-term view about pensions, so I'm not going to retire for 10, 15 years, so the money keeps going in. Um, with with their ISAs and the, their GIAs, you know, they can take money out, so... They're there. It's almost like a another cash account. So that's where they're going to pull money out, pull money down from if they need to. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, what kind of platforms are seeing the worst flows? If we talk about D two C platforms or advisor platforms, have you noticed any trends there? So I think it's been hard for everybody. You know, if we take the investment industry as a whole, it's really, really hard because we're going through a really painful period of adjustment. 
Um, you know, we had 15 years of low interest rates and low inflation. And that meant that, you know, if you wanted to earn any money on your money, you had to invest. That has suddenly disappeared. So now, um, you know, people are going, well, I don't need to put my money into an investment because I can earn 6% over there, right? Mm -hmm. They're forgetting about inflation, however, and the way that eats away at your money. So, you know, what, what might be worth £100 today, next year, you know, if inflation's running at 10%, is going to be worth 10% less. So what that means is, and it's a really hard concept for people to understand, is that ultimately, as, you know, as inflation keeps eating away at their money, they can buy less with it. So, you know, uh, prices will go up. That £100 is going to buy a lot less next year. So it's still £100, but it will buy less, you know. So um, so I think you know, that's really been the biggest impact, really, the fact that interest rates have gone up and people have been seduced, really seduced by the sexy rates on offer at the banks. Yeah. yeah. And they're not thinking about the inflation. Do you see it changing anytime soon? So um, I think... <laughs> Obviously, once interest rates start to come down a little bit, that will change. Mm. And, you know, maybe people will start looking at the markets and going, oh, I missed out on a really good year in 2023 because stock markets were doing well, right? We ended the year on, on you know, so if you look at, it's quite interesting. I was just working on the direct matters press release before I came here. And, you know, the direct market closed on 320 billion, right? So assets rose substantially in the fourth quarter because of markets, not because cash was being poured into the market. So mm -hmm. if you look back, you're going to go, wow, I missed out on that, on that uplift. So, you know, I always recommend to people, you know, you've got to sort of ride the short term shocks and, and stay invested because it's, you can never time the market. Some people think I'm going to take all my money out, stick it into cash and then go back in when it's the right time. I was just thinking, Bella, so um, earlier this, oh, sorry. Last month, we had Peter Dalglish from Parmenian um, in at CityWire, and he was talking about the $6 trillion in assets globally that have got like flown into um, money market funds. Uh, and he thinks that there'll be this big reversal where we'll see all of that capital go back into bonds and therefore invested, right, and um, invested back into your more kind of traditional um, funds and multi-asset funds. Is, I just want to do you so normally, so normally I would normally I would agree with him right because normally when you have a period of uncertainty people will pull out and they'll put their money in cash and a wall of cash builds up um, we saw this in 2020 right pandemic year 2020 2021 we had a great year with all that money coming back in I think this time it's a little bit different so I think there will be some money coming in but not that massive build up that we've seen well certainly not Around the world, yes, maybe, but in the UK, a lot of people have been taking money out of their investments, their ISAs and GIAs to pay down mortgages, you know, that kind of thing. So that money isn't going to come back. Mm. They haven't been taking it out to stick it in the bank. So yes, savings have gone up a bit, but, you know, ultimately, because interest rates were, were rising so quickly, you know, people may have had a mortgage that they weren't really bothered about, but when the interest rates started to climb, they're going... I'm not going to do this. I'm going to take that money and I'm going to pay down the mortgage. And I think we've seen a lot of that money. And, you know, a lot of the withdrawals have been going to pay down mortgages or help, you know, family members, children, grandchildren, etc., with deposits and even uh, and, and so on. So so I think in the UK, a bit less. But yes, perhaps globally, definitely there's a huge amount of money that's gone into money market and that will flow back into into bond funds. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
Um, I'm going to ask you about consolidation. Um, we had a piece, uh, an exclusive piece by myself, Nicola and Jack uh, about M&G putting its uh, eccentric platform up for sale. Was that a shock? Yes, it was a shock, really. Um, you know, I'm disappointed. I'm going to say, you know, I'm disappointed at M&G. They've owned it for less than, you know, for about three years. They haven't really given it an opportunity to, to bed down and to grow. Um, it's a shame. It's a shame for the team at the at the at the platform. Yeah. They've worked really hard, um, and it's a shame also because they've just put pre-funds on the platform, mm-hmm. and that is finally starting to deliver some flow. So it's really kind of short-sighted, you know. Give it a bloody chance. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you were to venture a guess, what do you think will happen? Who do you think might be eyeing a sense? Well, if I'm if I was going to venture a guess, and I am literally just venturing a guess, but they've got deep pockets. And that would be Nucleus yeah. James Hay, right? We'll probably go for it. It's a big, you know, it's a sizable chunk of money. So I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's your overall thoughts of consolidation in the market? Advice consolidation or platform consolidation? Platform, uh, platform consolidation. And then we can go into advice. Well, look, platform consolidation is absolutely not easy, right? Um, you only have to ask Nucleus and James Hay. You know, they've been trying to... Um, merge their platforms onto one for for a long time. Yeah. Um, and they bought Curtis Bank, so you know they've effectively got three different platforms. Their focus is going to be getting Curtis Banks onto FNZ, and then their own James Hay platform onto FNZ. Mm. That's been going on for some time, <laughs> and and then of course they've got the Nucleus platform, which is on Bravura, and that will eventually come over. Mm. But we're looking at, I reckon, I mean. I reckon that that still won't be done in in the next four to five years. So it's not easy. So you really do have to take, you know, to take two platforms and try and smash them together is absolutely not easy. Um, So, yes, platform consolidation. mm. Yeah. Do you think that, you know, looking at maybe Nucleus, other, like, do you think it might deter platforms from consolidating? Yeah. I don't think it will deter platforms from consolidating um, because usually they're owned by somebody else who doesn't really know what they're talking about, <laughs> called PE houses, who just think, what do you mean? Take that, smash it into that. That's great. That's all done, you know? Mm. Um, and so, you know, there's there's a lot of idiots out there who, who run these PE houses and then, um, you know, ex- and think it's... E- I know because they call me. They ask stupid questions like, what's a flow? You know, what's, what, what's flow? So... So you you know you really understand that these people just they're just buying things but they don't understand how the business works operates mm. they don't understand the technology you know the technology problems the legacy systems the sheer hard work of running a platform it's just not easy and what about um, consolidation in the advice market then so advice market look you know it's interesting right but um, everyone's talking about consolidation in the advice market but if you look at the numbers the stats from the FCA. There is still, you know, 89% of all advisors still work in firms with fewer than five advisors. Mm. So consolidation is still a long, long way off. And the other thing I would say, and people get really excited about it, oh, it's all going to consolidate. But I think a really important factor to remember is that advice firms and advisors, the, the, the heads of these advice firms, are generally entrepreneurs. You know, and they've got their own little, they've got their business, their, their relationships with their clients are really important. They want to support those clients. So 
often the answer to them is to become part of a big faceless corporate advice firm where they can't really make any choices or decisions isn't one that you know necessarily goes you know sits well with a lot of these um, entrepreneurs so I think we'll see we may see some consolidation at the top end of the market they will buy but at the other end of the market you're going to see people going do you know what I don't want to do this with this big firm tried it I'm going to go and start again because I've got you know I'm, I'm just going to go and set up on my own and and maybe even with sort of younger advisor advisors who who are tech savvy can go right you know what I can build all the solution I need uh, you know my central investment proposition you know we've got we can deliver something that is slick using technology that helps us to so I I fully expect a consolidation at one end but at the other end m more firms coming into the market because they just don't like that whole consolidated picture so we're not speaking of nu nucleus uh, so last week, uh, they confirmed that they had acquired Third Financial, and this was obviously really interesting because Third um, is known for offering white label platforms to advice firms. So, really interesting for us. We wondered what you made of that of that deal. I mean, look, it's it's a good idea, right? Because they're going to have uh, like like all the firms out there, they they all want to offer you know uh, advice firms the opportunity to to, to white label, mm -hmm. you know. Scottish Wood and Embark is doing the same thing. Everyone's doing the same thing. Everyone's jumping on the bandwagon, really. Mm. So Third Financial is 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 an easy way to do that, where you know you can offer that. It's called Model B. So you're working with the the advice firm. So it's almost like a co co parenting situation, right? Mm. Um, so and that and that's perfect. It's not it's not you know it's not really complicated technology. It's not going to be a really you know, it's just for quite basic and. We'll do what the customer wants. What do you think the industry thought of that move? I mean, as you said before, Nucleus has a lot going on. Um, so to acquire Third Financial, it's, you know, what what do you make of that? I mean, look, you know, it's ultimately the, the industry is in a huge state of flux. So there's a lot of moving parts and everyone is kind of, you know, muscling. You know, we're all sort of, kind of elbowing everyone out of the way and let's like, I want to get a piece of that action because I don't know basically I don't know where that is going to go that's what everyone's thinking are advice firms all going to want their own platform if so I need to get in on the action and make sure that I capture that business mm. right so I think if that's what's happening really is everyone's sort of like trying to muscle in and make sure they capture a bit of the market if that's the real direction of travel mm. so so i mean how much do you think white labeled platforms that you know used by advice firms is going to sort of take off as a concept and what kind of firms i mean could you see this trickling down to like not just your national advice firms and your networks but your i don't know mid mid-tier advice firms? well it really depends on the size right but look if you're going to run your own i don't i think most advice firms want to run advice firms and not platforms yeah mm. the only reason they're turning to 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 this is there's two reasons. One, it's a service thing. They're not getting a great service from the platforms they're using. And two, I'm going to say it's from a point of greed as well. Like, you know, well, hold on a second. I could have my own platform and earn money from it. You know, I can cover my costs and earn money. So that's so they're doing it from increasing their own revenue is a point of greed. Mm -hmm. um, I think what a lot of smaller firms tend to forget is... You might, yes, somebody might come along and offer you a really sexy, we can run your platform for 10 bips or 12 bips or whatever it is. But you're probably going to spend 
another 10 or 12 bips in recruiting people to do all the bits that need to be done to, you know, to do, to, to have the right permissions, the right. So actually they don't really, really save a huge amount of money. Um, I want to ask you about Novia. Um, so what did you, so I don't know if you saw, but uh, I had a piece, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago, um, about Nova, Novia basically wanting to acquire advice firms. And I wondered what you think of that move. Um, we're called, they're called Wealth Time now, right? Mm, no. Sorry, Novia Wealth Time. Novia Wealth Just making sure that we're talking about the same firm. Uh, <laughs> they keep rebranding. Um, so, look, the value chain's really, really long, and there are lots of firms struggling in this current environment to, to make money. And so what happens when that, you know, that one of the consequences of that is that they then go, right, I'm going to move into the next stage of the value change. So that's mm. the platforms that's downstream to the advice firm. Let's capture that advice firm. Let's capture those revenues. So if I buy that advice firm, that money is only going to come to me. It's not going to go to lots of different platforms. So it's a way of guaranteeing and securing revenues. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we see it throughout the industry, you know, asset managers buying distribution, buying platform. You know, M&G obviously is a life company and a, a, an asset manager. They have a platform. They've decided to sell it. But but that that is an example of everyone sort of moving into different parts of the value chain to try and secure distribution revenues. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that, you know, maybe Novia is, is um, struggling with um, flows yeah. Um, as I said, uh, you know, there are lots of platforms out there uh, this year who have had a really tough time. Yeah. Um, so that might be one way, you know, if you're running a business, the first thing you do is you look at, you try, you try and pivot your business to make sure that you can secure other, other sources of revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned platform transfers. We had a piece about this maybe a month ago. Um, what is your take on that? Do you think the platforms maybe try to hold on to assets for longer? Um, I've certainly heard, hear a lot of rumours about that, that some platforms are, but, you know, but it, it's it's silly, it's stupid. You're just shooting yourself in the foot, you know. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, if you're holding on to, plat- if you're making it difficult for people to move away, the best thing to do is like, is to just say, really sorry that you're going, you know. Yeah. And, and, and deal with it quickly. So at least the people leaving the platform feel, you know what, they they behaved yeah. in a nice way they were friendly they dealt with it quickly and efficiently yeah. instead they're left with a sour taste in their mouths because yeah. it's taken three four five six months and the platform's being really obstinate you know what's yeah look the really easy what i'd say to anyone there's a really really easy way to deal with this yeah. and to get platforms absolutely get platforms doing their transfers really quickly is you publish a list of the worst yeah and the, and the longest and how long it takes yeah Right. All you have to do is is just gather, is just tell, you know, you ask the, the fund managers or the platforms or who, the advice firms who's the worst mm. and you publish that list. Do you do that every month? Yeah. They will would you do something like that? I would definitely do something like that. Yeah. <laughs> would you do something like that? <laughs> and but, I mean, but, you know, it's, but that's how you deal with that. You do it in a public environment because... Yeah. If they're too, you know, they you know, they don't realise that they they think it's all hidden away. But once it starts being published, or oh, look, yeah. such and such a platform took an t- takes an average of ninety days, while the top platform takes an average of five. Yeah. Um. Speaking of slightly, you know, controversial things that platforms do. 
Um, we were keen to talk to you about your take on platforms retaining a cash margin. Yeah. Something that we've covered quite extensively. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the interest rates and what they set, you know, what's your take on? Well, I, I mean, look, the whole, you know, the FCA put out, a, 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 as you know, a, a letter and it talked about double dipping and double dipping was something, the phrase I coined in, in a podcast with um, um, Glenn Sweet from Transact. Right. You coined the phrase. Yeah, it's not been used before. Wow. Uh, if you if you won't find it anywhere up before before that. So they listened to that that podcast and then and then obviously used it. Does anyone uh, know that you coined that phrase? Um, I don't know. Um, I know that it wasn't double dipping. Was not double dipping on cash interest was not yeah. mentioned before. Yeah. And if you search anything <laughs> before that before that date before that letter came out, there was no mention of it. You heard it here first. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so look, I, look. Um, here's what I would say: if you, if a platform told an advisor, "Oh, we're going to skim some of your customers' dividends," they'd be up in arms about it, right? So, you know, why is it okay to take people's cash? I think the, the important, yes, it is difficult to manage cash on a platform. There's no doubt about it. It's, it's more complicated, but I think the important thing really is. That it's got to be you've got to leave the customer in a in a neutral position. So, if you're going to charge charge them a platform fee on the cash and then also skim the interest, that's not fair, mm. right? Yeah. So it should be neutral for the customer, and and also the amount that you do skim, it's all right to take some of the interest, but you know to because you're managing because it's difficult delivering cash on on platform. But it's the size that you, t it's the amount that you take that, that is questionable. Mm -hmm. And if you're just taking enough to cover your cost, yeah, fair enough. If you're taking a lot of it, that's not, not as good. Speaking of the Dear CEO letter, what, what will platforms be doing now? I mean, how have they responded to, to that? Well, they should be working really hard to stop doing it. Is right? it February? Is there a date yeah, in February? That yeah, they, they were getting a, quite a snappy little deadline, right? Yeah. So... Um, so be, I think it's I think it's great. You know, obviously some platforms are in a great position. They don't have um, um, very few platforms actually don't do you know uh, are in a good position. So the others are going to be working really really hard. Yeah. And and what I'd say also this wasn't an issue when interest rates were really low because obviously it didn't matter. But it's really helped the platforms over the last couple of years with interest rates rising and no one putting money into investments. Yeah. This has been a lifeline for a lot of platforms. So uh, it'll be quite interesting to see the impact on platforms' revenues once the rules are come into force. Mm -hmm. So what do you think will happen um, with platforms in the next five years? What, what, do, what do you predict? Oh, how long is a piece of string? Uh, <laughs> What do I predict? I, I predict more platforms. Uh, you do, really? Yeah, well, because if you think about all the advisor platforms, if they're owned by advisors, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. more platforms. The industry will look different. It will definitely look different. There'll be more platforms. And there'll probably be more, I'm going to say, more um, focused platforms, you know, so yeah. if, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So platforms will shape, rather than just being generalists, there'll be you know, certain types, so much more focused, some might be more focused on model portfolios, more, you know, investment driven, that kind of thing. So I think we'll see more specialization is probably the word I'm looking for. Can I ask Bella, so you, every quarter, Fundscape produces, um, you know, a whole heap of really interesting data on platforms and their flows and, and you sort of, you, you rank them. 
yeah. and based on that. Um, if you had a crystal ball in 2024, do you have an idea of what names you think would be at the top of, of any of those charts? Um, I'd, t- I'd put some, you know, I'd put a platform like 7IM closer to the top. So they've been doing really well. So they've really, you know, over the last two years have really, um, um, you know, they've, they've swum against the, the tide really, you know, so they've been doing well compared to other platforms and, and rising through the ranks. Obviously True Potential, you know, True Potential has been buying advisor businesses. And so that money is, you know, you buy those firms, those assets come, come on stream. Um, Hubwise and Hubwise is also, you know, it's a technology house, so it's launching a lot of platforms with advice firms. So again, that that's, you know, those those assets will be coming off other platforms and onto Hubwise. So mm-hmm. those are sort of the three names that I would probably mention. Um, another platform that has been doing well is the Morningstar Wealth platform, but it's quite mm-hmm. small. But it's also been, you know, it's been growing quite quickly. And how has it been growing? Like by acquisition through acquisitions or no, no, it's just uh, just business assets growing and flows growing. So that you know that's been quite strong, and that's that's been the case for the last um, two years, two three years really. So it's strong growth, but from a small base, obviously the percentage growth is mm-hmm. is is high, but in terms of actual assets, it's still quite low. Right, 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 right. What about fundments? Fundman is doing well. Um, you know, I hope Ola is listening to this and Laurie <laughs> because they won't give me any numbers. So, you know, so I have to talk. I'm I'm supposed to believe them. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, we, we do hear from advisors, don't we? We hear yeah. really good things about Fundman. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I think, you know, I like I like Fundman. I like the team a lot. I just wish they'd trust me with their numbers so we could actually write about them. What is, what is it about the trust and, you know, what... Do you do you encounter that a lot that people don't trust that you don't want to have? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it's interesting um, because they're always a little bit nervous about being compared, and you know, yeah. uh, there's a bit of that. Um, I listened to a podcast where you were you were in. It was one of our podcast. Can't remember exactly what you said, but it was something about true potential. You were the first uh, consultant to have true potential yes. give you the numbers. Why is that? Yeah, I think, you know, um, yeah, True Potential gave me the numbers. Uh, I think, look, I've been in the industry for a long time. As I said, I'm, I'm old and I've been writing about <laughs> platforms. And I think my my view is always softly, softly catchy monkey, right? So you start off someone, you might say to someone, okay, well, just give us the assets. Um, but I think for True Potential, they wanted to show the market mm. that they were doing really well. So by giving us their numbers and you know, what they said to me at the time was, um, and I hope it's still valid and, you know, just in case they're, they're listening, <laughs> just in case Mark Henderson, the CEO is listening. <laughs> what they said at the time is obviously, you know, you're, they see me as a sort of a, a big industry influencer and commentator. Yeah. So if they're going to give the numbers to anyone, it would be to me. Oh, so What a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> and just my final question, I suppose, is what warning would you, like, is there any sort of, what should platform CEOs be looking out for? What should platform CEOs be looking out for? I think they... They certainly shouldn't stick their heads in the sand about the growth of, you know, uh, white labeled platforms and, mm. or, you know, advisor owned platforms. That's yeah. what I call advisor owned platforms. So, you know, they should be listening to their advice firms. And the most important thing that platforms need to do is focus on the user experience and service. That's the only way 
forget forget the rest. That is the, those are the two things they need to focus on. You know, mm-hmm. so things like you know picking up the phone within thirty seconds. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, being able to not having to transfer those calls to another person to deal with. You know, the pe- yeah. people on the end of the phone should be able to answer most of their queries. Mm. So the worst thing, you know what it's like, we're all really busy. So when you have to ring up a company and they go, oh, I'll do it, I'll put your phone to someone. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? That's the most irritating thing yeah. ever. And then you're on hold forever. Mm. Um, so you get that bit sorted and the advisors will stay with them because they just won't want yeah. to move somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bella, thank you very much for coming in. You've been listening to The Advice Show with myself, Victoria Bell, and Chief Reporter Nicola Blackburn. For any questions, please feel free to tweet us at New Model Advisor or email us at nmateam at citywire.co.uk. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Since 1929, the Monks Investment Trust's mission has been to help investors grow their wealth. We aim to do this today by taking a three-dimensional approach to growth. Cyclical growth, rapid growth, and steady growth. The World Wide Web. Wall Street is in turmoil as stocks crash. The Monks Investment Trust, managed by Bailey Gifford. Capital at risk.